Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. Thank you all. So I just want to thank Graham and Emily specifically really Yay. quickly. Woo! Didn't expect that one coming, huh, Graham? Um, because I was being annoying and hounded them pretty much all summer to do something for podcasters because who, I bet all of you have a podcast. Every single one of, oh, you do? Yeah. Oh yeah, you do, Sarah. Sarah podcasts for fucking like nine hours a day. It's crazy. Um, but I have an incredible panel here and I'm so excited for you to meet them all. They've all been very supportive of me in my podcasting career. So I'm Oh, I'm Liz Cully. Um, thank you so much. Um, I have a pod. Thanks, John. I really appreciate that. Um, I have a podcast called Cool, 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 which I self-produce, and it's really just about cool people in my world, just like all of these people. I have John Arthur Hill here. You're supposed to clap. Yikes. Winter Mitchell. Emmy Olea. And I have Ashley Gavin. Ashley is so kind. She is on tour and going to the Hollywood Improv. So I'm going to do a couple of her questions first because she has to be so LA, jump in a lift. I just didn't schedule properly. That's okay. That's okay. I love <laughs> but it. I appreciate I love the it. fancy I love intro. It. I love it. <laughs> I think it's like so, it's so, I don't know. It's very LA. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, gotta hop in a, gotta hop in a lift. Um, before though I get to Ashley, I realized in my research that Winter here has been in podcasting maybe the longest out of any person I have ever known, ever. The longest, so. other than Mark Marin, who lives down the street from me. Right. But you started, is it 2015, was that correct? No, it oh. was two, 2008, actually. Oh, see, there you go. It didn't, I didn't even get it right. 2008? <laughs> yeah. What show was that? I did a show for Engadget. Uh, I did wow. like five or six episodes with, uh, someone, um, and it was just a tech show. I used to work for tech TV back in the day, uh, in my late teens, early twenties. So it was like an extension of that. It was a relationship that came from there and they were experimenting with audio programming and it was, it was very new. So they didn't know how to like monetize it, distribute it. It was like online. You had to click and like watch the bar. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Like, where... There was no po Apple podcast at that point. What did they call it a podcast? I mean, yeah, back we called, in I mean, we... 1852. <laughs> did, they okay. it, did they call okay. it a podcast or was it like online farm or wait, or was it online radio? It was like online radio. It was like, remember radio.com? Like Netscape, well, yeah, because, Net Navigator. It was course. like those people like making a foray. And what happened back then, if you guys want to have a discussion about the insidious nature of Silicon Valley, is that they just want to get a bunch of money, oh, pretend they do? like that's they're so doing weird. something, and then say, mine, and then get out. And that's what happened. Long story short. But the real career began in 2015 with Pop Rocket. Right. And then Pop Rocket lasted five years and then I started waiting to exhale and then um, I'm now I'm going to be starting my new solo show Tangent Island yeah clap so John's just clapping away here this is yeah exactly does we don't have to be quiet in here um 
five years is a really, it feels like a very long time, especially for a pop culture show. When I started to look at some of your first episodes, actually, I have some of the notes. I went all the way back. It took, it was pages of scrolling winter. I was like, oh my God, they've covered everything. One of the first episodes was, um, hold on. These were the first people that you covered in that show. John Travolta, Kanye, because he's still kicking. Caitlyn Jenner's Vanity Fair cover, which I love. You even had one of my old school homies, actually also one of Courtney's old friends, Josh, AKA Fat Jew, yeah. which feels very early aughts. Yeah. Some of these people are still in the zeitgeist. Would you think that you would cover those stories the same way as you did in 2015 or would it be different? I'm actually at the point, the reason I'm starting Tangent Island is because mostly of COVID, like going through COVID and having a show about pop culture was really hard because every day was a fucking nightmare. Um, but I found that my consumption of pop culture changed because the world changed. So everything that I had caught before when I was on, we were on the run, we were all doing everything. We were going back and forth. I didn't, have the time to take things and like really value and digest them. It was like whatever was snackable, which I think is a problem in entertainment now. We just want things snacky. Um, and I'm 43. I grew up when, you know, you had two minute long intros to sitcoms. So I don't, I don't know why we got to the point where everything had to be like a freaking snack. So I found You're a little snack. Though. I'm a little snack. You though. look real cute. Thank you very snack. much. Ow. And then what I did find, <laughs> um, I did find that I was started doing things in terms of my digestion of content way different. So I started talking about things differently. Like I would spend eight hours watching Bon Appetit. I would spend a lot of time watching YouTube and 90 Day Fiance, which I had no love after lockup. I was like, you know, please, I can't, I'm ovulating tomorrow. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Very horny talking about love, love after, after lockup, lock big ed. And so then I just said to myself, like, I would have never had the time to watch this. I thought I was above all of this stuff. I'm deeply in it. And then I got to the post COVID mindset that I really want to start talking more about the cross section of pop culture, but also like what we all just went through and talk through that in a really fun uh, and engaging way without being obsessive and like preachy. I just want to have conversations. I don't think my current show is necessarily set up to just be a conversation. We're definitely referential. We talk about pop culture through the lens of Generation X. So, I mean, we'll get into this more, but the notion that you evolve as a podcaster and you might feel beholden to being stuck in one genre because you think that's all you can do is I don't believe in that. Yeah, that's actually a really great segue to you, Ashley. Cool. Because <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I know you do. I know. Don't worry. Um, no, no, no. We'll, we'll do good. You, <laughs> you started We're Having Gay Sex on your own, self-produced. Yes. Um, they just turned me off. I'm not that interested. They turned okay, me off. So oh, no. Oh, okay. Boop, boop, boop. Um, you started, uh, we're having gay sex on your own, self-produced. I think even in the style that you were doing it, the video content that you were self-producing really set the tone for a ton of podcasters, specifically Gen Z, because um, you understand them. I don't, I don't know if I, if I do yet, but then you went, I'm like, what, Why, what are you guys talking about? But you then took that show and 
you know, went with a major podcasting studio, Studio 71, did you have to change your style of recording not only audio and video, which I think you mastered really, especially because you started it right around COVID or a little bit before, or was it in yeah, COVID? Yeah, we, we, I came up with the idea in like early 2019 and then okay. uh, started recording before COVID and I had six episodes going into COVID and then we recorded mostly, you know, through COVID, yeah. Yeah, but you blew up in COVID and I think the way that you and your co-host would interview guests at that time, like it was you know, DIY, so to speak, but it really, I think a lot, even myself, a lot of people now record their content that way. When you moved on to Studio 71, having those resources, did you change the way that you recorded or was, is it still pretty much the same? No. Um, the only thing we, we changed as we had money to make it better. Like everything was just like super, I shot. So just so you know how it shot, I don't know if you guys record your own content, but we recorded on a Zoom into uh, like Adobe Audition. Uh, we started with GarageBand and we started with uh, phones, iPhones. And I, as a comedian, use uh, an iPhone rather than a camera because the camera is almost as good as any camera you can buy and it's thin and you can have a terabyte of space and like you can, y you guys get it. So we would have just two phones facing opposite directions and- One for the plug, one for the load. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Nobody? Okay. All right. And Nobody uh, knows rap music in this room. That's okay. Keep going. It's fine. I'm, uh, sure. Okay. Uh, another another <laughs> lyric. Um, <laughs> bars. I, uh, yeah, so then, but then as we scaled and I was like able to, uh, when I went with Studio 71, I decided rather than you can, you know, when you work with a network, you can give them some extra percentage to do that stuff for you, or you can continue to do it yourself. So I was like, no, we're just going to do it myself and I'm going to hire an editor and that editor part-time. And then I f hired him full-time to become like the producer and the editor. And then we moved into a bigger apartment. So then we had like a studio and we bought cameras and then we bought like a multi-cam switch. And then we, to, you know, we just, as I had the money to do it, I just kept getting the equipment as I could afford it. So do you feel like your audience really grew from upping the production or do you think it was just no. natural? You don't know. I actually think do it as cheap as humanly possible. Nothing matters. The internet is the dumbest, just the, as long as it's <laughs> the only thing that you're competing against is that the watch time, right? So you need to have enough quality so that people aren't like, this is a potato. I'm moving on to the next clip. As long as you don't look like a potato, they're going to watch your clip. So it, it can't be your shitty phone from 2008. It has to be watchable. But as long as it's what the only reason we moved up in quality was because I was like, this is going to save my editor and my producer time. Interesting. So I have his time so that he can work on other things. If that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. I mean, you are so big on TikTok. I mean, you, you are. <laughs> 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 You're my Gen Z queen over here. That's I mean, funny because I, I hate them more than anything on the planet. <laughs> you, you can have I them. really struggle on TikTok. You are really coming into your own, that apartment tour. I'm inspired you. by you. What? From what? There's nothing on. You're so thirsty on TikTok in a good way. <laughs> In a great way. You're, it's so. You're doing it. Thank you, John. It's so. I. It's not my. It's not my space. You and I kind of chat on TikTok. Emmy, yeah. I don't know how you're not on TikTok. Okay. I'm 
I am not good at TikTok. It's it's scary for me. It's scary. Ashley, you really have just fucking got the TikTok got down. <laughs> but I, again, you're talking about clips. You're talking. I mean, a lot of what I see on your TikTok is your stand-up comedy. Yeah. Touring is such a big part of what I, when I originally started my first podcast, Scissoring Isn't a Thing, R.I.P., that was like the big thing. They're like, we're going to get you girls out here talking about scissoring and then you're going to go on a world tour. And I'm like, ah, you know, but you are selling out my hometown, San Francisco, which is amazing. Do you feel like it's feet? Like, are you in sort of a wheel right now? Are you feeling like oh, the TikTok you can call is it a wheel? Okay. <laughs> can you guys tell that I am upset? <laughs> I... <laughs> A, little, a touch. Uh, no, like touch. everything, like it's wonderful, but it definitely is like a wheel for yeah. sure. You can't like, you can't, there's, media is dead and we're all in a clip machine. And if you're <laughs> glad I work machine? at Condé Nast. I would love to be Great. in a clip machine, but I got a clip machine. I can I tell you a about clip machine. Slinging those ads you, at a dead media Like we're now. all just, I don't know what any of you guys do, but like if, <laughs> if I don't post on TikTok, I don't sell tickets. It's a direct to consumer market now so like i have to keep making the content or i don't sell the tickets and it is like a i call it like a funnel so like you're gonna get it takes however many watches for someone to click on your link and when they click on that link boy it better be a good fucking link because you want to collect their information you want them to go you want them to arrive at the destination and stay there and either give you their money or their data so like you, you just constantly have to be moving. I know I'm a maniac. That's how it works, John. Um, it's just I, a data funnel. I know. I it, it's awful. <laughs> it's grim. That's why you get all those ads for muscle it's, milk. It's uh. <laughs> <laughs> Our um, data. You want data? I want phone numbers. I want zip codes. That's all I care. She oh, wow. is speaking truth yeah you if you don't own your own audience and you don't know who they are where they live who's out there then you really are just walking around blind it, it she you know i work with a lot of we talked about this earlier i work with a lot of comedians my clients i'm a digital strategist by day and you know the amount of work it takes to get them into a, a funnel a list of people just that will give you the information so you can move into a direction where there's a conversion happening. Yeah. And yeah, she's, she's speaking truth. You absolutely have to have your own audience and own them and know who they are. And, and, and t if Instagram goes down, if Twitter decides to shit the bed, like it has, if Facebook, you, you're, you're not going to have anything. I mean, if you're on Twitter and you've been killing it on Twitter and your engagement goes down. Yeah. You, and the algorithms change every the day. Algorithms change every day. So you have to capture them and you have to know what you need to capture. I don't know what your businesses are, but mine is tickets. So it's, I need their phone number and I need their zip code. And if you, if you went to like my Instagram bio, you can see what mine is, but like, I don't even like list anything else. It's just, you click the link and immediately it's, I will text you when I'm in your city zip code number. Like that's it. Cause like there's like, is that some... your real phone number texting people? Cause I am no, silly but... and I text people by my, and I'm like, well. every now and then when someone sends me shit, I will reply in like the weird app that I use for the. Oh, texting. so it is like an app. It's almost like community. Do you know yes, that? Yeah. App? yeah it's yeah. not community, but I use okay. some, something similar. I oh my God. Like I, that's my dream. I would love to just text strangers. 
Uh, you, I, I have a hundred thousand lesbians you could text right now. Thank you for coming. This was a really nice night. Um, well, you talk a lot about audience listeners. You talk to a lot of audience and listeners on Sirius XM. You have a lot of callers. Well, I'm realizing I'm lazy. I do work at Sirius XM. And I, it's our, actually our eighth anniversary. I am Andy Cohen's co-host for eight years. And they do all of that, I guess, for us. I guess I need to learn how to do that myself. Like, <laughs> Awesome. Those are the subscribers, and they have their information, their data. Yeah, I Sirius just show XM up and I, def that, has I our just I talk and I go home. But you, I'm dumb. That's bet. No, that's better. It is better, but I'm poorer than you. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> no, I am. Like because if 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 Sirius goes down. Then who am I emailing? I don't well, know. Well, I audience. actually they saw. Do. Well, I'm a yeah. subscriber, I'm so you can email me. Okay, I will. I'll text you. Yeah, text me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John. But you, li I, I get so nervous, and Ashley and I talked about this before we started tonight, about listener interaction. Because it can go very well, it can go very south. Don't worry, Amy, I'm coming to you. You have a beautiful narrative podcast, and thank God you protect your heart and your soul and your mind by just not speaking to the masses. But Really, though, and even when you um, had me the one time on your show, which I'd like to come back again, Please just if back. everyone wanted to hear that in public, um, I was so nervous because I'm like, who the fuck's going to call? And of course, you know, the sweethearts call. Oh, Liz, like, meh. But how do you, is that like a muscle that you have to develop? I mean, I know, Ashley, you're like a fucking machine spitting out goddamn bullets out the side at your comedy show with fan interaction but you, live radio i mean i was a caller into the radio but i would practice my <laughs> questions like yeah well it, we're live so it's nerve-wracking anyway it was for a while and then it became a skill and i'm a live performer so it once i realized that it was just the same it's just audio and there's no one watching it became really easy and now i, I have a hard time doing a podcast that isn't live it's it's more fun for me to be doing it live but um no, it's easy. There's, it's, it's very black and white. If someone's being crazy, you go, you're crazy, and you hang up. <laughs> and it's like that's how my, every so call nice. with my that's mom goes them. with me. <laughs> that's on them. Because you hear it, and you're like, you don't have to say anything mean, because you, you hear the, the silence of everyone listening. Oh, this person sounds. But no one ever calls. Actually, no, a lot of crazy people call. And crazy I listen is, to your show. A lot of people yeah. Are crazy. Did yeah. you used to call? We love them though. Did you used to call into the radio growing up? I won a contest. Uh, I won a make your dog bark contest. Oh, and I made I my dog. She dollars. was a schnauzer. Her name was Molly. I made her bark on cue. And I got free tickets to the premiere of Kindergarten Cop in San Antonio, <laughs> Texas. Oh and I went to see it. That's yeah. Not twins. So a star was born. That dog's twins dead. keeps coming up in my life a lot recently. I don't know why. No twins fans? Arnold Schwarzenegger? Nobody? Yeah, I know you are, Courtney. Wow. Okay. So I've always been in radio. <laughs> but that was my dream. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I used to call 102.9 KBLX, mm. Bay Area, stand the fuck up right now. You're and younger I, than me, KBLX? right? KBLX? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I was definitely calling Wild 94.9 and yeah, KMU. Yeah, well, Chewy Gomez in the building? Yeah. What's good? Get out of here. 106. Yeah, 106 KMU. Come on now. 98.1. I mean, we could go there. But yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a sip of wine. I don't know if a yada is coming. We'll see. I'm trying to keep it professional. But um, being, I think now it's so interesting that 
we can all sort of be, quote, on the radio, no matter what now, which is very different. But there is a prestige and there is a lot of infrastructure at being somewhere like a Sirius XM, which is what you were saying to Ashley in the sense like you don't know the subscribers yeah, Emmys to, with iHeart. Right. It's so impressive, you know, uh, learning as you go and, and building from the ground up. Like I wouldn't know how a camera works really in the studio or who how it's all happening. You do. You have an understanding of that. You know, I like the laziness of showing up and um, being beautiful, being entitled. It's just <laughs> I feel like oh, you I'm know entitled. How... <laughs> <laughs> um. Emmy, you have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful show called Crumbs, which, by the way, second season yesterday debuted. Can we get a clap, please? Because that's huge. Thank you. Um, I found out about Emmy because I'm trying to become friends with all of my neighbors in my neighborhood. What's and I, wrong with you? I avoid my neighbors. No, no, you got to. Once you move to the burbs, you got to. What if shit pops off? It's so true. Lockdown. Nah, you got to have the cool people in the neighborhood because a lot of people they don't like back. Yeah. It's like a Twilight Zone episode when yeah. something goes down and you're all together. Yes, yeah, so went. To, we moved to the Valley, so right. we know about this stuff. Um, but I met your producer, Alex Fumetto, who's incredible. He and I were talking and he's like, you have to listen to this podcast. And I did. And it's beautiful. And... I love it so much. I really do. I'm like emotional about it. And I really, I want you to listen to every single person's podcast on this panel, but I'm also telling you to listen to Emmys immediately um, because it's narrative. And that is not what I typically used to consume. I listen to comedians, pop culture, like you really go about podcasting very differently than all of us on this panel. Maybe some of you in the audience how is it going in? I mean, you and I talked a little bit about this on my podcast, but with a script, it feels like, or like, tell me a little bit about making a narrative podcast because sorry, I keep asking you a question and then continue to talk. Narrative podcasts are actually the number one rising category next to crime mm -hmm. and murder. Well, it is, we all know everybody loves a true crime podcast, but narrative podcasts are becoming so incredibly popular. What is that process of recording like? So when I went into recording for season one of Crumbs, I thought I was going to meet with my producer and I was going to have a script and that I was going to have to read everything out loud. So everything is that's I talk about in Crumbs is my life story, right? As it pertains to in season one, dating, um, my failed relationships. But here... I was expecting a script and no, it was just a conversation with my producer. So then I sat down with one of my producers, Margaret Catcher, and she said, Emmy, let's talk about your first relationship. So this, it's, the show is about the things we settle for in relationships and dating as a trans woman and the differences that and obstacles that I've had to face in relationships. So she's like, tell me your first serious relationship dating as a woman. And so I sat down with her and we talked for hours. I think, you know, you were talking about somebody recording for nine hours. That was like our first day was literally like five hours of just converse, a conversation of relationships. And little did I know that these conversations were going to turn out to be the episodes of the, of the series. I had no idea. She didn't either. It just worked out that way. So it was supposed to be scripted. And the only thing that was scripted in this process were the intros and the outros. Wow. Awesome. You have to listen. I, that's great. You got a great editor. 
Because you would not have known. I felt like every single episode that you did was one singular session even. Like it's so beautifully, I mean, you can't even, there's like no beat. It's just so seamless. So you would you would go in and have these conversations and some of, how many times, you went in for the just the one time or was it a no, long no, process? No. So actually we started recording during COVID. So we started in the studio. Got it. We had a conversation maybe for about four hours in the studio. Then everything this was the first shutdown. They opened back up. We went to the studio, started our, our recording then. And then the second shutdown happened. And so they said, we can't record in the studio anymore. So they had to send me equipment to, to where I lived. And so it was just Zoom calls with my producer. And I think we did about four sessions. And after we finished, once they had balances and everything, then they said, okay, we have a few pickup lines, but nothing too, too crazy. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just conversations between me and my producer. That's awesome. That is amazing. I mean, I, that's incredible because it's just, it is so, it just flows and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, were you, how did you feel when you listened to the season knowing that, you know, you can, you had these natural conversations that were then edited into specific episodes? I was very proud of the result. Yeah. Something really beautiful came out and the thing about, talking about my relationships, I had to get very vulnerable and talk about some very uncomfortable things and some scary things, things that I knew that my family was going to listen to. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to go there? But like I said, I didn't know that this was going to be an episode. Right. So I was very transparent with my producer and that's how, I guess you can hear the, the rawness of, of our conversation in the episodes. A hundred percent. And so for me, that was very rewarding. I'm like, okay, well, this is going to help someone. This is going to help someone who's gone through a similar situation. Um, and that's why I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. Everybody here, even through some of the laughs and such, are all very vulnerable people. You have been very vulnerable on your show. Why are you laughing? I feel like you, I'm, that, I'm that Instagram reel that you made really hit me deep. You've been very vulnerable. You are about to even get more vulnerable. You just went viral all over the internet. Winter of There I Was on Us Weekly looking at, you know, some looking for inspiration of Meredith Marks for this outfit this evening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And you, some article popped up like of a feed from you, you know how like at the bottom brain trust, come on, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain trust got me in the loop. Yeah, girl, you got in the loop talking about family planning and whatnot. Emmy, your show is really vulnerable. You talk a lot about sex. <laughs> yeah. So much sex. Yeah. Every week I tell a story about my sex life on my podcast. I really just wanted to. Are you agent. single or are you dating? I, I'm dating now. Good. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if you were talking about like sex with one person because I was like, I mean, how many times? No, no. I mean, about there this? were periods of time like that too. Okay. So you've and you dig deep and you look back and <laughs> you talk about your butthole and uh, okay. Do you talk about your butthole? I, there's nothing. I have nothing left. <laughs> I've bared my soul to the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you regret butthole. it? No. Did you ever get shadow banned like me constantly? Oh, yeah. I mean, fighting TikTok is a nightmare. Do you think TikTok is worse than Instagram in terms of shadow banning? I don't know. They're all pretty. They all have their specific rules, but you just like get better at like knowing what you're allowed to say. You say sex. That's what the kids kids say. Looks like eggs, but it's. Yeah. 
you just learn like what you need to bleep and you know if it's like visual if you're like describing something visual you like can't usually say it you got to bleep something it's not just like sex as a phrase it's like so it just don't play around with them they'll, they'll fuck your life up they fuck my life up all the time yeah that goddamn internet let me tell you um is there anything in terms of now that you i feel like you're the master of sex you're moving mm. on to into the next <laughs> vulnerable cyclone of your world i don't know yeah i what mean else is there her butthole is <laughs> out my heart maybe um <laughs> my soul uh my stand-up is a lot more vulnerable i think but like i like talked about my my like breakup on there and about you know uh the woman that i'm dating and freezing my eggs and just like all kinds of stuff i mean that I have probably a too personal relationship with the listeners of my. <laughs> no, of that's my show. a well. That was kind of my next question. I feel like do they? Do you feel like you've given up too much of yourself, and now it's hard to kind of keep things private? I'm, I worry less about my privacy and more about like I'm in the probably not really relatable experience of like having people who think that I, you know, I made a podcast during a time where a lot of people were coming out. And, uh, and realizing that they were gay, particularly women. And uh, by the way, you should do my podcast. I would um, love to. But yes. uh, just going to get that in well before I have to um, run. But uh, I should probably, yeah. Um, but, you know. I'm glad you got that in. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are not necessarily stand-up comedy fans. So I'm in this very interesting predicament where people come to my shows and they're like, oh, that's my gay mommy that helped me come out of the closet. Uh. And and then they hear me kind of like, you know, I'm a real right on the edge kind of comedian. I'm a very traditional comedian. So that's been really interesting to navigate is I'll have people there being like, this is not what I expected. And I was like, well, what did you think? We we're we're going to braid our pubic hair together? Leave me alone. <laughs> but I think so. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. so that's people will get very attached to you if you're doing something personal and they're going to make extrapolations about your life. Yeah. And um, it's not necessarily an issue of privacy. It's more an issue of just the time that they spend with you every week. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that there's really a way to avoid that in the, in the, you know, the way that we. That's what we sign up for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's just part of the job. And it's really weird. Yeah. I've cried like so many times to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm warning, crying warning, like I'm going to start crying. And I cry about a, a number of different things. It's not always just a story that I'm telling or it's like something, you know, Sinead O'Connor death, uh, Pee Wee Herman, who laughed about that? Um, Pee Wee Herman's <laughs> death. I mean, like those things are emotional if you're a Gen Xer. I'm sorry you're not. I cried. Sorry that Sinead O'Connor hit me yeah, hard. Yeah, it hit me hard. Pee Wee Herman it didn't hit me as hard, but I understood the cultural. I'm older than you. I'm no, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, in terms of that, you just had two people there, and I you just, just had to was be trying to there. Interject. Yeah, no, you do have to be there, but I think you also have. To, I think that's what my show is about. It's Generation X and our perspective of these things. Like, we are reacting to things that are happening through the lens because we're the next boomer generation. Like we're the next ones that you're going to be like, oh, grandma. Like we know that. But we're acutely aware of that. Like we don't give a fuck. But like we also feel very possessive and illuminated by the fact that we had really 
fucking kick ass pop culture growing up. And we also knew what it was like to not have phones attached to our foreheads. And we also know what it was like to drink hose water out of a hose. Like we, there's things about our generation that we hold really close to us, which is what my current show is about. And I, you know, I take pride in that because I, I'm aging through this process uh, in a way that's different than the way my parents aged through it and the way their parents aged through it. So it's that's really the the lens I'm looking at it through. It's not for like millennials. It could be if they want. You're to like be. right on the edge, though. No, I'm not. You're not. Forty three. I'm not a millennial. Please do not assign that. No, to no. Me. I, I, get <laughs> I don't want winter. It. I've known you too long. We are not going to tussle in the Soho House, West Hollywood, right no, now. No, we are not. Um, but no, because I cannot lose this membership, honey. Let me tell <laughs> you. Um, but I, okay. So you're Wait, Gen X all the I way. I want her to wrap up because oh, she yeah. has to go. Oh, I have. I don't know. I hope I did a good job. I don't know what people wanted from this. You're lovely. And okay. can you come I, on? You sold it really can great. Give a oh, I'm listening. Um, I don't know. I'm like very responsive. If you have specific questions on your gay sex podcast, um, <laughs> you can DM me on Instagram. I'm Ashley Gavin. Oh my God. Text, text her. Or just text me. Honestly. Chat well, bot, better, chat better Instagram. GPT will hit you back. Bro. Break a leg at your show. Yeah, break Thank a leg. You. I appreciate it. This Bye, bye Ashley. Thank you, guys you Ashley. Bye, you Ashley. guys are all really nice, special people. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Love that. Thank you also, Ashley, for just cutting that potential fight between Winter and I about if you were a millennial or not. Full. You know what's tough for me is I think I'm sort of on the... I'm in that weird age group where I'm not a millennial, not a... Gen X. I'm just sort of like I had good music growing up, and that and Kids Incorporated, and like do you well, know you what were, I mean. You were there. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to be elitist about it. I just think that I just. I just being born in 1980 is special, and in the Bay, and in San Francisco. We're we're not a elitist about that. I just you know, it was a different world. It was a different time. Things were different. That's why I bring up the radio with you, John, because it was such, it was like a big deal. The radio was a really, really big deal for me. Totally. Me too. Growing up. Like, like local news anchors were the biggest celebrities oh to God. me as oh well. Oh my God. Yeah. And Same. DJs on, Same. yeah, huge local DJs. Lo Apple Hatton. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I want to switch a little bit into I mean, you uh, again, now we're back into the pop culture arena. You, John, are just fucking in the lady pond deep of Bravo. Yeah. I live an adjacent Bravo lifestyle. It's not easy. Let me, I don't know how the fuck you do it. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> my, I'm, I'm, I'm not as en entrenched as I've carefully, carefully I... created boundaries around myself where I, I wrote on Watch What Happens Live for four years in wow. New York. Yeah, and just li listen I, to how not entrenched he is. Go but I didn't ever have to really, I, I'm not drawn to watch a lot of reality you TV. Don't watch, you don't watch any Bravo. I don't, do? I, I don't not watch it. I just don't watch a lot of TV, period. Okay. And so I don't, I'm not like, brr, the tea, the tea, the tea. I, I hate tea. I hate spilling tea or doing fucking shit with tea. <laughs> and like, I don't, I hate when people are talking to me about tea because I don't know about the tea. I don't care about the tea. I want to like think about other things that are maybe the more news. inspiring to me, like the news. <laughs> but I am around it and I hear a lot of it and I do like, it makes me laugh. 
Um, but I don't, I'm not as entrenched in the world. Although it would have maybe served me better to have a strictly Bravo podcast, maybe because those people are now rich. Yeah. Well, this is what, this is, I don't know, because you keep looking careers. at. I always used to say, who's going to recap a television show? Yeah. A wise woman once said, you know, if your creativity is reacting to someone else's creativity, you're on the wrong path. That to me is absolutely true. Yeah. So I didn't want to create anything that was based on reacting off of something that someone else is creating. I want to create something myself. Mm -hmm. So, but those people are laughing all the way to the bank yeah. because those people are rich as fuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> amen. Fair enough. I ask you because you are Bravo adjacent. You do do yes. the news. When I came on your show, I was fucking panicked because I wasn't, I've never watched a single episode to this day of Vanderpump Rules. In my life, I've never seen it. I'm not going to start have. now. I haven't either. I think I'm good. It's okay. No, no, I'm done. There's I'm so not much. interested. No, but I was panicked because when I came on your show, it was like height of fucking Scandival. And I'm like, oh God. And we didn't talk about yeah, it. We talked about the thing, the ma what remember, made me most actually. important in Watch What Happens Live was the fact that everyone else was watching so much Bravo, but I was the person who didn't. So it was another perspective in the writer's room. It was like, well, it, it was a. So I, I always like having people on who maybe have never. I like different voices in there. Do you think the Bravo market, though, is a bit saturated, or do you think it, this, it's an endless tap of, you know, I mean, like they, recapping podcast stuff? Or just like Bravo commentary. I mean, speaking of Meredith Marks, who I look way too similar like tonight, I she just launched a podcast. It's like it never ends. Well, I think maybe it's a bigger question about what what are we doing for entertainment and how are we processing media as human beings. We're looking at things differently. We all used to go, you know, when there was no TV, people went to the theater. That changed. Now we're watching our phones. We're just taking things in differently and then processing it differently. So... I don't, I think at some point, have you ever seen Mad Max, the sequel? Yeah. <laughs> Where Charlize Theron? Yeah. And there's I that did. one I, scene where I they're all in the desert with like the lesbian colony, bringing it back to you. Uh, <laughs> and they're all like, they're looking at the stars and, you know, they're in the future, yeah. looking back at yeah. where we are. And they're like, oh, those are everybody's shows. Those are everybody's shows. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, a part of being alive is to have a show. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, are headed in that direction at some point. So I think we should assume that everyone is going to have some sort of broadcasting capability, unfortunately or unfortunately. fortunately. Well, that's the question, right? Do we need another podcast? Uh, is it okay to have this many shows? Does everybody need a show? it's going to happen whether we like it or not. I mean, I'm, probably in some form or another, maybe not a podcast, but something else will be invented maybe. And then we'll all do those. What do you think, Emmy? Does everybody need a podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you I was going to ask also, everybody The this. thing is, too, though, we don't have to listen to them. I think everyone, go That's ahead, have yours. I don't listen to a lot of them. I listen to what I need to listen to, what I want to listen to, and that's the beauty of that they're all out there. But, like, if you want to express yourself, absolutely do it. Yeah. I, I won't listen. Yeah, but. I think it also, though, it begs the question. I mean, it's really hard to make money in audio at the present. However... It is not slowing down in terms of audience. It is only growing. We are seeing more shows. We are seeing more of an appetite. Average time is going up. And the deals, especially for network, are getting into the seven, eight figures. But it's a really small pool. We chatted about this a little bit. <laughs> I want Emmy going to say something. I 
I think that it feels hard. It's like daunting, right? I think, you know, even some people are like, oh, you have this podcast and you're on the show and you've done all that. And I'm like, yeah, but it's it feels really intense and it feels really hard to make money. Is that what it's all about anymore? Do you, do you have to be with a network? I don't know. Sorry, I mean, you were going to say. I mean, being in a network has its pros and its cons, right? In terms of visibility, reach, you're going to get that. Like I too, like John, I just show up and, and record. I don't, I'm not looking into the audience and collecting their, their data and stuff like that. So I just show up, I record. Um, and it has that, its advantages as far as reach and visibility. However, it also has its cons, like creative freedom, mm. right? For me, that was huge because of the nature of my podcast. I wanted it to sound a certain way. I wanted it to look a certain way. And I, I'm going to say <laughs> season one, my experience was so different than it was in season two. Because by the time that I got to season two recording, I had a different producer. I had to fall in love with her. It didn't happen. Yeah. And so for me that that was like my biggest hang up in, in, in when I started recording season two. Um, but I said, you know what, fuck it. Let's, I'm just going to roll with the punches because I'm contractually obligated to, and I'm creating something beautiful with somebody that I love very much, my mother. And we did it. However, I had more restraints on season two. Mm. And there were times when I was just not happy with my producer. I'm not happy with our ending. Mm. And I'm still fighting to re-record that. Yeah. Because I wanted to have a different ending. Mm -hmm. And so that's the disadvantage of being in a network that's handling everything monetary, that I don't have the creative freedom yeah. to keep my authenticity. And, you know, like one of my biggest pet peeves in, from, my, from a producer is like, and how did that make you feel? Like, I hate that. Don't, don't ask me. Like, let me react to what's happening naturally. A lot of my conversations, well, most of my podcast is all organic. Right. It's not anything except for the intros and outros that's scripted. Everything else is, are just conversations that I'm having with someone. And so season two is very similar in that sense. But then I'd have a little like somebody chime in like, well, how does that make you feel hearing that? I'm like, what is this fucking therapy? Like, no, let, like, let me have a conversation with my mom yeah. and let's just see what happens. And so, yeah. Okay, first of all, I'm so excited that the second season is with your mom. You like teased that a little bit when we chatted the other day. You're like, I think you're going to- Well, like you this. hadn't finished the season one yet. I know, so I, know. I wanted you to like, I didn't want to spoil it for you <laughs> Thank because you. I don't know how much I should say about season one. No, everybody has to listen and then they can DM you okay. and figure it out. It's so, I love that though. But- I feel you. I started my podcasting career on a network and I was cast with someone and it was fine and it was great, but they had a vision of who we were and what we were going to be. And I think we didn't fit that all the time. And I think that was really hard. And I felt like I didn't know enough about podcasting at the time. And I also fell into the trap of wanting to be something that I saw was being successful that wasn't necessarily me. And that's hard. And I think when you have the pressure of making someone money or yourself money, that can get tough too, you know? So I do think it's interesting now that, but oh, by the way, self-producing, it's a lot of motherfucking work and it's a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> you know? But when you see somebody like Alex get, you know, a hundred million dollars or whatever it is from Spotify. I mean, she got a hundred million dollars because she's a white girl. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's true. 
Yeah. Like she hasn't broken the mold on conversations about sex and dating and stuff like that. Yeah. Call your daddy. But so, a, lo- a I mean, lot of those girls haven't. I mean, respectfully, look at Dear Media. What the fuck? I'm not, I'm not here to like bash people, but it's not. It's very formulaic. But they're making a ton of money, so it's. I mean, like, that's the progression of way of the way this is going to go, and that's the way they want it. It doesn't mean that it's going to break through or carry through, but it definitely has been set up that way. You know, Joe Rogan's deal, uh, Amy Schumer's Spotify deal. Um, it wasn't a, a consistent show, wasn't consistent quality. Those things are unnerving because it's not a matter of fair. If your show is good and people listen, great. That's all that matters. You know, Radio Andy, that's all that matters. There's a huge audience there. But in terms of like, you know, a network that is led by predominantly black or predominantly Asian or predominantly Hispanic and Latino or whatever other that is out there doesn't really exist. And if these decisions are being made upwards because of that, it, there's really no way to get around it unless you do your own thing and hustle hard and build your own audience. I don't feel like that's seductive to me because those aren't the type of people that I want to attract to this. I really am committed and fully invested in talking to people over a certain age and if people under a certain age are interested, they're welcome to listen. But I feel like they're, it's a neglected audience after a certain point because there's a certain type of sound and vehicle and vertical that people are receiving content on and they're being inundated with. And there's certain audiences that just aren't being plugged in or dealt with with the care that I think we try to really bring to the table. Do you think um, I know, again, when we started or at least I started in this world, it was all like celebrities, celebrity. Like I feel like a lot of networks didn't even care what the show was about. It just like needed to be a big name. Do you think that's still the case? Oh, yeah, you do. It happens even where I'm at. Right. I'm part of My Cultura Network, which is um, one of iHeart's entities. And so I feel the difference of the celebrities that are getting podcasts mm-hmm. and the promotion that goes into that, their shows is way different than the promotion that I get into my show. Yeah. I also wrote a scripted podcast that was on Wondery. It is on Wondery, and it's a holiday podcast. We're nearing the holidays in a month or two. Start listening to it. But when we went to pitch that show... Um, part of the original pitch was like, who do you have attached? And we had big names attached. And so it moved it along more quickly. I mean, it's a narrative scripted podcast, but in terms of like celebrities talking, it's not something I want to listen to, but probably name recognition. That's the way it kind of is in all of entertainment. Unfortunately, when you go into a TV pitch, it's like, who who do you have attached? It just gets you, it speeds things along and it gives people a guarantee. If you say I have a great idea, I have a lot of great ideas, but that that great idea doesn't get me as far if I don't say, and it doesn't matter who it is. If someone was ever a celebrity on a TV show once, they count as a celebrity and it's um, soul crushing to say, here's this great format idea. Let's get, I don't wanna say, well, someone. And then (laughs) it might be someone you don't like, but then it gets, you know, it's just kind of a, uh, what's the thing? A sausage grinder. It's just a little bit of kind of the way the business is used to running. Yeah. And it just feels like podcasting is no different because the money is definitely there. It's just interesting. Of course, I come from it from a business perspective. I sell advertising against some of the biggest produced and published shows, which is fucking weird. Cause I'm like, what about for $5, you can have cool, cool, you know, I'll read you a thousand host reads, but 
But isn't that the challenge of what we do is to say, here's my niche of the market or my little corner and it's so specific and is like, just to play devil's advocate, like, isn't it the challenge on all of us to think of the thing? Cause I do also have another podcast that's not on serious, but like, it is kind of like, what's your little corner that you can build upon like any small business right? and say, <laughs> they're like don't mention your podcast name no um no i th- and the, i think the onus is on us if i had like a lesbian vaginal lube i would want you to advertise it you know what the crazy thing but i wouldn't thing, want though? a big maybe celebrity advertise. to do it well they wouldn't i would <laughs> gladly talk about lube so call me up anytime my audience though i've really gotten to know my audience deeply and it's predominantly straight white women who want to either have a queer friend or maybe are bi-curious or I don't know. Actually, I don't know why anyone, li- they, that's what I've gathered. The lesbians don't, I am not Ashley Gavin out here. Like it's the queer female audience is actually not really my audience, which is interesting. I think maybe they're confused, confusing me with like a woman they met at the Brentwood Country Mart that they think is me, but it's not. And they're listening to my podcast, but um no, but but I think you're right. I think it is about niche. I I just see that it can, f- or not rather see, but I can feel sometimes that it can feel daunting when I'm like reading the news and I'm like, oh my God, like what is this all where I know why I do it, but then, you know, you, you can get a little bit frustrated um, being alone or not getting the promotion that you're hoping for, even if you are with a network or whatever it is. I mean, I don't have a network and I don't want one um, specifically because of the things that you mentioned. I don't, um, I like my editor. I don't want another editor. He's a great editor. I want to talk about the things that I want to talk about and I feel really comfortable about those topicalities. I don't think anybody could bring me a producer. I've been podcasting since 2008, I think I have a fundamental understanding of what I want to talk about and what the people who like listening to me like hearing. Um, Do I want a bigger audience? Yeah, I think everybody does. But I think I have to be strategic about I've had to be strategic about this podcast that I'm cur- that I currently have because I work in entertainment. So my takes are hot and I have to go in and I never know when I might interact with someone that I either talked about or worked with. I mean, it's happened. Um, no, not with yeah. you, answer. Come on. I mean, same girl. <laughs> but, but no, but I think pop culture it dominates like i don't think we need any more bravo podcast like all the drama with bravo the, the, the heather mcdonald shit and the jeff shit like that is interesting on like a a niche scale but when the world is the way that it is trying to find a balance between talking about things that are fun and interesting and exciting and that everybody's talking about barbie whatever and then also trying to come back to matters of the heart it's something that i'm more interested in 10 years ago i would have not felt this way 20 years ago you could not pay me to talk about my personal life you can pay me to talk about azimpic you can pay me to talk about my my husband's relapse during covid you couldn't pay me to talk about losing four babies during covid um you couldn't pay me to talk about these personal things that happen because i it's a matter of 
I was, I'm a black woman. I was raised in a household. You don't talk about your personal life in public. But I felt, I felt like it was important that my audience knew that I had four losses. I felt like it was important they knew that I was going through IVF. I felt like they were, it was important that I was 100 pounds overweight and now I'm not. And how did that happen? Because I started Ozempic. I feel like these things are important because I'm aging. And I'm not aging um, as a boomer, like my mom's aging. The way she aged was different. The way I'm aging going into Gen X is different. So I have a lot more things at my, you know, handy to me than my mom in San Francisco had growing, you know, like growing up and watching her go through that and talking about those things in a fun, interesting, funny way is something that I'm committed to because I don't think that I'm the only person dealing with a husband in recovery. I don't think I'm the only person uh, dealing with loving Ozempic and singing it from the mountains and would literally sound of music on that shit. I don't think I'm the only person who's had losses and who's trying to still trying to have a baby over 40. So when I see that most of the podcasts are for Bravo fans, no offense, because I do love Bravo. Yeah, I probably watch more Bravo than you have. I'm sure. That's okay. Um, I feel like there is a place for them. I'm not denigrating them, but I don't see a place where you can be entertaining and funny and emotional and connected talking about the craziness of, of being a woman of color, working in this business and trying to keep true to your principles and morals without corrupting yourself and dealing with life, but having these outsized experiences. That's my, that's what I want to listen to. Yeah. Yes. Because there's something so important about the identifying Thank with you. someone, and that's right? why, and that's why I want to hear yours. I w can't wait. I'm running home to listen to yours. So good. There's just something that's. I was very open and vulnerable in my podcast about you know being trans, being a Mexican kid. You know what my family did for a business. Uh, uh, I've been sober for 16 years, like all that stuff. So the DMs that I get are from people who have had those experiences. Like I thought you were talking about audiences earlier. I thought for sure my audience was going to be trans women. Not right. at all. I have, it's mothers. It's mothers who have kids who are thinking of transitioning or kids that are different, that get bullied. Um, it's people who have family members who are addicted to drugs or alcoholism. So it's so different. I thought what, it's so funny because what I thought was going to happen from recording day one to what ended up happening was the complete opposite. And I'm so grateful for that because I get to give back to a community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same with, uh, you know, showing up to a pop culture morning show is not where I thought I would touch people's lives too. You know, I was addicted to drugs on the air, got sober on the air, got into recovery on the air. And all, my DMs are all from people who have struggles that way too. And that's when things changed. That's why I started to be more grateful for my job instead of just talking and making jokes about the headlines. That's well, when it became something that was, um, I felt like I had a sense of purpose through that. Well, and your live show, which everyone should see. Don't you have another one coming up? The 22nd. And Look then the 24th in P-Town, 26th in New York City. Which I absolutely loved. Come and I it. love you talking about getting sober, on, you know, going into recovery in your own. I'm not like the biggest musical theater fan. I have to be very, I can't be vulnerable and honest and not be honest to you, John. <laughs> but I would come to your musical theater show any day. It Thanks. was amazing. 
I wouldn't even classify it as musical theater. I'm even though a, you I'm are a, a very person, amazing but, Broadway performer. Um, I mean, John, you thanks. are. But I do think performing live and getting out and meeting in, so people can interact What's with your you show that aren't a uh, wellness check. Okay. That people can meet you who listen to you every morning or listen to your show or they feel like they know you is important. You know that's why live podcasts are uh, successful. Um, but what if nobody shows up? That's what I tell that's, myself. Talk to your therapist about that. That's not. That's you're gonna show up and you're gonna do your live podcast and you're gonna record it and you're gonna then put bumpers that say, "The funny thing about the episode you're about to hear is that it was a live show and no one showed up." And it's hilarious. Okay, thank you, John. I appreciate that. I love you all, and thank you for doing this. I, for I'm us. so. I you know I always try to go in. Obviously, I cope with life by making jokes. But what I I wanted to talk about how everybody gets really vulnerable. I'm glad Ashley could join us for a little bit because she's gone through all types of shit recently on the internet. But everybody here, which is why I love you all individually. I mean, we just met, but I love you already. Um, is how vulnerable everybody is. And I, I think, you know, everybody here is a performer. Everybody here is funny. Everybody here is incredibly talented. But I think you're right. I think when I listen to things that really, really impact me, like your show most recently it's when people are being their authentic selves and as vulnerable as possible, which probably makes the boomer generation just fucking cringe beyond. Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. Are we wrapping up? We're ra I felt like it was a natural place to wrap, but go. F this floor is yours. Go for it. I was going to say that I just want to like bring up the fact that I'm, I'm starting this new show tangent yes. island um specifically because and we didn't talk about i don't know how what you guys are getting out of this talk but i just felt like it was important because i guilted a lot of people into coming this evening but then i think a lot of these <laughs> the people are your fans. The, my back told me a lot um <laughs> i felt like what you're going through i just want to talk about the vulnerability of doing a show that you that no longer serves you yes um, yes please because if anybody's that. like questioning anything i don't care if it's a podcast but if you're it, i've never been more like now is the time to do the thing that you feel like you don't want to do more than ever and the process of trying to develop this has not gone uh without a lot of crying and and consideration and development because it's my first time doing it solo I care about it so much that I want it to do well. Um, I'm not taking a passing interest in it like I, I have in the past about other things. Um, and it's really important that it looks and feels like me. When you have a show with other people, there's a tendency for somebody to take it into a direction if you're not careful more into a direction that you might not necessarily want it to go, but you let it go there because it's just easier to not fight them. And it's Amen. never, I've never experienced a, a moment where I've literally surrendered to something and the, and then I'm like surreptitiously planning an, an exit. Um, and it doesn't mean that the, ex the experience has been wholly negative. It means that it's time to move on and evolve into a different space. So everything about this new show is, a combination of all of those learnings and the experience of, you know, being obsessive about pop culture and then reality kind of falls on you. So I feel like if you're thinking about doing a show or if you haven't developed a show or you have something in your mind, don't be like Ashley said, don't be like threatened by the expense of it or there's ways to do it where it costs virtually nothing. Just do it. That's real. 
Well, thanks, everybody. You can do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen to Cool, Cool, Cool. Yes, and listen to Cool, Cool, Cool. Yes. Thank and listen you. Listen to Discretion Advice and listen to Naughty. Go get that. And listen to Emmy's show. Please, crumbs. 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 Bye. Bye. <laughs>